Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the voice of combat sports, the great Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Good. How are you, Superman? I mean, when I I think I'm talking to like Superman or Clark Kent, I'm I'm, I'm making you. you I'm making you those guys because. You're Clark Kent now, and then you become Superman. Superman when you start doing those uh, <laughs> those unbelievable runs that you do, conquering the universe uh, with your marathons. But I'm you're okay. Good I, my, you're, you're good for my confidence, Teddy. Well, Thank you. I, I'm good. I mean, I hope, I hope everybody out there is good. Uh, I had to make an unexpected. I had a birthday on Friday, and I got a lot. I was going to say happy belated birthday. Yeah, I got a lot of birthday wishes from you guys and from really all over the place <laughs> from people I <laughs> hadn't heard from in 30 years. So it's like somebody's leaking this info out there, you know? It's Not like, every day you turn yeah. 50. Yeah, thank you. That's why, you know, that's why you're my man. Yeah, that's why you're <laughs> my man. You have all the great qualities of uh, of being a great partner. You know, you you know my age. You know the proper age. Um, you know, a few years younger than... Uh, Older, younger than I really am, but uh, <laughs> it, it's amazing because this internet thing that I heard about that they put your birthday up there, so everybody is like, <laughs> really, it's, it's nuts. So you're getting all these messages. I appreciate them, though. You know, I joke around. I appreciate it, but I, you know, some things come up in life, and I had to make a sudden, uh, quick trip to Florida for something that happen and i had to take care of so i was actually down there for a couple of days for my birthday and um me and my wife we we shot down there and um it was it's amazing the people we we were we went out to eat and it's amazing the people that watch this podcast that um you know, most of them know me just from boxing, of course, ESPN. But now people coming up and say, Teddy, love your podcast. Uh, tell tell, tell uh, Ken, keep killing it with the runs. I mean, it's like, wow. Uh, we are we are really, we're, we're kind of popular, Ken. And we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're growing. And um, I want to keep that going so we can keep doing this. But appreciate all the people out there. And... I just wanted to mention we were we're getting ready to go to the airport yesterday. We were at a place called Bradley's in West Palm Beach, and nice place outdoors, sitting there and near the water, beautiful. And um, I I really like Florida. It's like uh, I feel like I'm sometimes uh, in the United States of America when when uh, I, I want to call it the United States of Florida. Like it's just I. I, I don't know. It's, I mean, they, they play the Pledge of Allegiance. If people wonder what I'm, why I'm feeling that way, they, they actually play the Pledge of Allegiance during lunchtime. So I just think that's great. Um, I really do. And everyone stands up, puts their hand over their heart. You know, I had to remind myself of the words. But um, And this waiter comes over, and it reminds you of how fortunate you are in life and how tough it is out there with the price of things and just everything going crazy the way it is in this country. Um, but there's always a way. There's always a way. Here's this young kid, this waiter, a uh, real polite, nice kid. It's been a long time since somebody called me sir. And um, he he's over there and he's, he's waiting on us. And one thing leads to another. He, he's telling me to... Uh, 
order the I, I asked him about the crab cakes I'm on a diet you guys know about it and um, so I never eat crab cakes in my life I'm eating crab cakes now and, and stuff like that so fancy he, he said yeah a little bit so um, hey, it was the it was the day after my birthday so he says he says well don't get this one get this the sandwich I said I can't get the sandwich I can't eat bread he goes oh um, uh, so he said, but this one is is too expensive. It's $60. $60 for crab cakes. I looked at him. <laughs> I looked at him. I said, "That's." it was very nice of him. And, but I, I said, $60? He goes, yeah. He goes, it's insane. I said, oh, my God. I said, this is crazy what's going on here. I said, yeah. So all of a sudden, he says to me, yeah, people got to work three jobs uh, to to survive. So I look at him, and I said, how many jobs you got? He said, three. <laughs> he, I said, what are your jobs? He said, this, uh, e- EMT, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm a firefighter, and, and, I, and I do EMT with the fire department down here, and I'm an MMA fighter. I said, you're an MMA fighter? <laughs> and, you know, real good shape and everything, clear, clean-cut kid. And he goes, yeah. I said, listen, and I, I'm a, I'm, I, I am... I am embarrassing at this point in my life where I never talked about any stuff like this, especially to do with me. But now when it comes to the podcast, I have no shame. I, I immediately say, are you on this podcast? And, and uh, he said, no. I said, oh, where's your phone? He takes the phone. Because being <laughs> a prehistoric man I am, I only know one way, and I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it. Yeah. One way to tell people how to get I know there's a million platforms, iTunes, all that crap. But all I know is get on your phone, go on YouTube, and put in the fight with Teddy Atlas. pops up, and then I actually watched him hit subscribe. I don't let them leave my site. <laughs> you have to hit subscribe. So this poor kid, you know, and the, the managers are looking at him probably, and he's, so he, pulls out the phone and then he and um I said the name is the fight with he goes I I know I know who you are I and I before <laughs> I could say my name he goes I know who you are he goes I just didn't want to say anything um I I didn't you know I don't want to I didn't, I don't want to bother you and I said oh that's nice of you I said I right, get the click I got to get the click so <laughs> he he goes he bang he hits it you know and um and then he starts telling me some about you know he's he's going to turn pro soon. Uh, he's got amateur MMA fights, whatever whatever the road is they go through, and uh, he's you know he's he's talking about the fights the night before. We were talking about the fights from Saturday night and everything else. Uh, he was supposed to write his name down. He never wrote it down. I believe, if I remember, it was Steve Wilson because I know he's. I know in between his three jobs, he'll be listening to this, and um, hopefully he has uh, he has a real good career. Real smart kid. The first thing he said about Derek Lewis, he said, "Teddy, that guy hasn't learned anything." I said, yeah. "I said, yeah. He's like Deontay Wilder in, in in my sport, where he just depends on that great eraser, the power." You know, and all that. So anyway, it was it was it was good. It was it was good to see that kid. It was good to be reminded and and just humbled humbled by these kids like that who's working three jobs just 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 to yeah. make ends meet. Really, really, with the price of you know uh, things. And um, 
So you can do it out there. You can do it, but you got to be willing to do it. You got to be willing to go and do at this point whatever it is, you know. And and here's this kid willing to go out there. He wants to follow this MMA career. He's got to work three jobs, you know, and uh, he does. Well, Teddy, that that reminds me of uh, the fact that anything you want in life that's worth having, you're probably going to have to be uncomfortable to get it. Because no, no growth, nothing good happens when you're chilling and relaxing on the couch. Just think about it from a practical standpoint. You want to get muscles, you got to suffer in the gym. You want to be a faster runner, you got to suffer by yourself on the road. It's just a fact of life. The best grapes are grown in the harsh climates where they're hot during the day, cold at night, produce the best wine. Anything that require, that's going to make you get better requires suffering. And you have to be uncomfortable being uncomfortable. So I just want to bring that up. I thought it was a great little introduction to our show you know we're we're human beings um you know and we uh yeah we're we're into the fight business but we're into the human business more you know we both have families and we care about people and uh so i always we as a prelude to our show always to just to have a little chat like two guys sitting in a bar you know sitting somewhere in a park just talking about life talking about something that came up uh, talking about something that we have in common with our audience out there, besides their love and passion for for the combat sports, you know, and that's why I always feel this time the first fifteen minutes to just to touch on some things like that. The other thing I want to mention: all all the MMA fighters, they all watch this show, and we're very blessed, and they've all come on the show, and Dana White's been on the show, and every and so. And, and in the boxing, too, they all watch, and the commentators and everybody. And we appreciate all that, even though some of them steal some of the stuff they hear from here. But that, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? That's all right. Um, but I got sent a tape uh, recently uh, of a uh, MMA fighter, young fighter, 7-0, and Haida Amil, A-M-I-L, Emil. I guess it's Emil. Haida Emil. Uh, somebody to watch for, Ken. Uh, they're hoping to get to the UFC, of course, the big time, which I think they're not far away from. This kid's exciting. Uh, well, just a little bit I've seen of him. Uh, real good striker, uh, well-rounded, good on the floor, tough as hell, granite chin. Uh, you know, like a lot of these guys in MMA. You could be talking about about 20 of them just saying that. But uh, very confident. Uh, as I was saying ESPN all the time, fan-friendly style, which which a lot of them have. But fan-friendly style, he's fun to watch. I hope he makes it to the UFC. I just wanted to give a little shout-out there. He just fought. Uh, he actually fought on Friday, my birthday, in California on a card, and he won. And um, I just want to congratulate him and his manager, Jim, and wish them future success and maybe coming on to the fight with us one day. Well, Teddy, I'm glad you mentioned him, but I want you to know that you just opened the floodgates. Every single week I get people sending me messages like, hey, do you want to interview my buddy? He's 2-0, and oh, and I always <laughs> am tempted to say, no. you, wa- you watch the show, right? You see the guests that have been on the show? Have we ever had someone 2-0 oh on, the, on the show? But I love promoting the younger fighters, and uh, we'll keep an eye on him. And before we jump into things, send out a, a, a quick prayer for my wife. She was driving home today with my four kids from visiting her sister in South Carolina. So if you know about geography, South Carolina, we're in Nashville. She's going to drive home, eight-hour drive. I'm talking to her on the phone. She goes, wait a minute, what am I doing? It says I'm entering Florida. 
I said, please pull over and please look at the map. She goes, oh, I put in our address and apparently there's our, our address is uh, in South Florida too. So I've just driven four hours south on 95. I said, we live in the n- Northwest from that place where you're at. When you were going south on 95, you never thought like, I don't think I'm going the right way. And she was like, well, needless to say, I've paid the price. So now she's driving home from Jacksonville, Florida, instead of <laughs> instead of Charleston, South Carolina. Well, uh, Poor Ken, kid. Ken, two things I have to say. One, I, <laughs> no, no, I pray that she gets home and she will. She gets home safely a little late, but you're going to have to make dinner for yourself for once. Um, so she gets home a little late. It's okay. You could drink extra athletic greens. That's all. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it fits right into the commercial. But... Uh, the, the other thing is, see, that's what happens when you own that many homes. I didn't even know you had a home in South Florida. That's what happens, Neither did kid. I. Neither yeah. did I. That's what happens, kid. You got that many. You got homes all over the freaking place. You're going to get confused sometimes, and you're going to wind up in the wrong one. Oh, I'd, lo- I'd love to have that problem someday. But we digress. Let's get into the UFC. We've got a ton of action to cover from the weekend, both in boxing and um, UFC, which is why, again, everyone refers to you as the voice of combat sports. Let's start with the UFC. We'll jump right into the main event. The lioness Amanda Nunes gets her title back, gets her revenge against Juliana Pena. Just a one-sided affair all night. One thing I'll say, though, and I think we can all agree, Juliana Pena, heart of a lion. My God, she walked through fire. She just kept getting caught with that right hook or check hook. I'm curious to hear what what, what your thoughts were on that one because she kept getting hit with the same punch. But, all, you know, she deserves a lot of credit for the heart she showed. I mean, her face was a mess. It's so hard to see any fighter like that. But for me, in particular, the women, I mean, she's just a bloody, battered mess. And Amanda Nunes just put it on her all night long. But Juliana Pena wouldn't go anywhere. How'd you like that fight? And what would you think about the same punches she kept getting hit with over and over again? Very well prepared. Uh, great condition. You could see the difference. She was trimmer. She was fitter. Um, she was... Uh, she was in better shape than the first time mentally uh, and physically focused, and she had a real great game plan that you just alluded to. Uh, turning southpaw, using the right hook. Uh, it, it was it was brilliant. She looked brilliant. Uh, it started right from the beginning. You want to get your title back, it better start early. It started early. She came prepared, and Pena was in great shape too. Um, great heart, great soul. Uh unbelievable what she went through and what she endured uh to go the distance it was incredible uh incredible fight uh just incredible the both of them display of uh of ability and and courage and mental toughness and will the will of both the will of uh nunas where she wanted her title back she wanted her title back and the will of Pena was she didn't want to give it back. <laughs> so it was, it was beautiful. Uh, I, 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 the right hook of, uh, I, I tweeted, I tweeted during the night early on in that fight that, and it was obvious to me, that Pena needs to knock on the front door and either come in the side door or at least faint. She's coming in. And get that counter hook out of the freaking way. <laughs> and then come in. But she didn't. She just kept coming in and she came into the into the hook and she was getting caught uh, with that. And 
uh, during the course of the night, she got dropped several times, but obviously oh, she knows how to behave like a champion, not just fight like a champion. They both do. They both did that. Uh, but that was the first thing that struck me from a trainer's, uh, from my trainer's perspective, Ken, was why is she not fainting? Someone's got to whisper in her ear or even scream it in her ear. You got to give a little faint, get rid of that hook, then come and clean. You can't just keep walking in that front door. Uh, into the barrage of punches and a barrage of uh, right hooks. Did you also notice at times she'd get herself wound up where she'd just come running straight forward, throwing punches, almost like kamikaze attack? Well, that's what I'm saying. And, if you do a fake yeah. first, you're calmer, you're, you're, you're more tranquil, um, you're thinking, uh, you're more control. Give a little faint, get it out of the way. And then don't just come in, as you said, kamikaze. Don't just come in too fast, too hot. You know, you, you got to come in a controlled way. Uh, otherwise, you're going to hit a wall. You're gonna, I mean, no different than driving a race car. You drive race cars. You know, you got about six, a fleet of them, um, Ferraris, all that stuff. But, you know, uh, different colors. Uh, my, my grandson, he likes you. He said, what color, uh, what, what color is Uncle Ken going to drive today, Ferrari? I said, I'm probably <laughs> the red one. Red is my favorite. So um, <laughs> just so you know that, that's, that's Joseph's favorite color. Uh, wasn't, that the, wasn't, wasn't the red the color of the uh, car that Michael Mora bought you after he won the title? Was it a red Lexus? Yeah, it was. It was. You're right. After we beat Holyfield, that was, that was a special moment. So Hell of a gift. Yeah, it was very good. Very nice. Always remember that. Um, anyway, that's why I never sell that car. That's why it's in a garage somewhere with a, with a top on it. Uh, sitting somewhere, just, uh, you know, people say, why don't you sell it? Why don't you go on uh, whatever that thing is? What's it called? eBay or something? Whatever the figure. Uh, yeah. what, uh, whatever that thing is. Well, Does it have on? miles on it? Yeah, about uh, probably uh, close to 200,000, 178. But, but oh, it's, okay. a, it's in great shape, great shape. And people are like, why don't you sell it? You get, uh, uh, no, it's, it's the value of what it means to me. Sentimental value. It ain't the value of the dollars that I could get from it, you know? And if I ever need a loan, things go that bad, I go to Ken. You know, so I'm 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 hooked up. So that's a very good point. I have paintings that are um, not necessarily big monetary value, but to me they're invaluable. I'd never ever sell them. I'd I just give them to my kids. Uh, there's some things that the value goes beyond, you know, material yep. value, uh, money value. So anyway, the analogy I guess I was in the middle of making was that, you know, if if you're driving, you can have. You know, you can have the greatest car. I mean, Pena, Pena has a lot of abilities, obviously. You can have the greatest race car in the world, but if you're driving it recklessly, you're going to hit a wall. <laughs> yeah, you know, if, you, if you're just driving it through, you know, uh, stop signs, something's going to happen. She was driving through stop signs, you know, and, uh, and something happened. She was getting hit with the right hooks and, and other such punches. So it reminded me a little bit of... Really, that night with the boxing, we'll talk about that later, but how sharp and how well-prepared and just how on point Danny Garcia was where he was trying to get back to that place, you know, after being yeah. out for two years and after, you know, having some losses. And he was he was magnificent. So it, it Great kinda, matchmaking in that fight. Yeah, kind of. He had the perfect opponent to do what yeah, he had to do. Oh, yeah, Benavides. So... um the bottom line is I could talk about all the technical stuff in the world, but really what it comes down to, Ken, in those spots, she, she just refused to be denied. She would not be denied. And, and you could see it. Uh, you were, she was getting that title. 
you know, come hell or high water. She was getting that freaking title back. And um, she was the ocean coming to the shore. Uh, you know, the ocean can't be stopped. Uh, but Pena was... I made a note to myself. Pena was not the sandy part of the beach, Ken. She was the rocks. <laughs> she was she was the rocks that you that you see in the jitty there. Uh, sometimes in the ocean. I say it all the time that these great fighters teach us something, and I just want to say thank you to both gladiators and the commentators for being guides on a great journey uh, battle because they really did guide us very well. Uh, as bad as the boxing voices were, that's how good the UFC voices. We'll get into that later, Ken. But I, I tell you, uh, the boxing commentary, I, I don't go there too often. I don't knock commentators. But you know what? If I pride myself in being a guy that's going to tell the audience the truth, then I have to, I have to uh, go to places even I don't want to go and, and tell the truth. And and somebody's got to do it. It's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it, you know. And uh, it, it, it was ridiculous. We'll get to it later. But some of the stuff in, in the boxing that I was hearing. But again, great job, uh, not only by the fighters, but by the commentators, John Anik, Joe Rogan. And was that was DC there? Um, yes. And, and DC, you know. They just, what can I say? They, they, they are guides. They are guides um, through the journey of the fight that, that are explaining to us what's going on, what's, you know, what's around the corner, what's in the dark room. You, know, uh, they, you need a guide uh, sometimes. Uh, Teddy, to your point, the UFC is the only uh, combat sports outlet where the broadcasters seem to have no skin in the game, meaning there's no clear bias one fighter or the other. There honestly isn't. And you know DC and Rogan have relationships with some of those fighters. You'll never be able to tell when the fight's going on. You watch an ESPN or a Showtime card, I guarantee if you watch it with an open mind, you'll be able to tell right away without even looking at the fighters who they're who they're favoring and who who's the house fighter. It's so blatantly obvious. I just wish that they'd call it right down the middle. You you don't have to be unbiased towards your fighter. Like you don't have to be against your guy to just say what's happening in real time, honestly, versus he's so-and-so's getting hit with a bunch of punches when it's an 50-50 fight. And, and you can see it every week and we'll get into it a little more later. But also I want to point out, if you're not following Teddy on Twitter during these fights, you're missing out on a lot of free entertainment because the commentary, especially during the um, UFC events, I love it. I know the UFC puts a lot of the tweets up on the screen and one other quick uh shameless plug for dynamic striking if you like what teddy has to say and you think you could learn something from this and you're into the into combat sports check out dynamic striking look up teddy atlas and you'll see a whole series of videos that teddy's put together on the different techniques peekaboo style all the different jabs you can throw hooks uppercuts right cross left straight left whatever you want it's all there uh in detail with a blow-by-blow blow tutorial from the great Teddy Atlas. So with that said, let's get into the co-main Teddy. Our friend Brandon Moreno, friend of the show, he's been on the show before, was in tough against Kai Kara France. And wow, Brandon Moreno, man, that was a very close fight, I thought, early on. But then Brandon Moreno hits him with the kick to the, uh, the Mexican liver shot. Nope, it's the Mexican liver kick this time. Puts him down. 
out of commission. You know, Kai Kara France was game all day. So you know that kick hit him right in the right spot because as soon as he as soon as he kicked him there, the circuits just got disconnected from his body. I think his brain wanted to go, but the body was like, no more. Thank you. I'm done. And uh, Brandon put it on him. The other thing I wanted to mention is after the fight, I don't know how you cannot love Brandon Moreno. Even in the stare down, I sent you and Rob a screenshot of the um, stare down where they're both staring at each other after the way and like they're going to kill each other. And then you can see on Moreno's back, he's got a Mickey Mouse tattoo. And it's not like an aggressive looking Mickey Mouse. It's like a Mickey Mouse doing like some kind of dance move that is just, it's such a dichotomy of like, I'm going to kill you. And then after we can go to Disneyland together. And then after the fight, I loved when Moreno, they were asking him about, um, he, that was for the interim title because uh, Figueredo has the uh, real title. Moreno lost to him last time out. And um, they come in the ring and Figueredo's looking like he wants to kill him. And Brandon Moreno just looks at him and says, hey, my kids are watching at home. I want to be a good example. I don't hate you. And, and you seem to be very upset with me. Whatever I've done to upset you, I'm sorry. Yes, we're going to fight. But I don't know why there's so much animosity between you and I. I have no problem with you. It was just so disarming that Figueredo had no choice but to shake his hand and hug him. You could tell he, Brandon stuck his hand out. And for a minute, Figueredo was like, not going to shake it. Then he was like, oh, my God, I'm so disarmed. He shook his hand and hugged him. I just love Brandon Moreno. He's like the perfect representative of the sport. He's into Legos. He loves his kids. He's just like a big kid who happens to be really good at punching faces and breaking arms and legs. But uh, anyway, how'd you like the fight? And he's good at making pinatas too. Um, <laughs> yeah, pinatas. Pinatas. Yep. Um, his family is in that business, and that's what he. He'll did. make a pinata, and then he'll treat your head like a pinata. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'll punch it open. Um, <laughs> and I look, I, I he's been on our show. I love him. I love everything about him. I love everything you just said. I love the way he fights in a cage and who he is outside the cage, how uh, the humble human being that he is, the father, the husband, the just a role model, just a good, decent person that he is. Um, he, he switches a light. You know, he's that person and outside the cage. And then when he gets in the cage, you know, it's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you know, uh, <laughs> it, it really is. And, and he becomes, he becomes, uh, he becomes Mr. Hyde, uh, you know, in the cage. So, uh, and it's, it's okay. That's where you should do those things in your profession where you need to do them, but still keep touch with being the decent person you have to be otherwise and giving examples of how to do it that you can be this you can be this animal that these guys are the, these 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 just incredible uh fighters uh incredible warriors uh and then at the same time you could be an incredible person so it's it's out there for everybody. You just have to make the choice. And that's what life's about, making choices. What do you want to be? Who do you want to be? How do you want to act today? You know, no matter what's going on in your life, how do you want to act today? Today, today, because you have control over that. Oh, yeah, but it's a tough day. It doesn't matter. You have control over that choice of who you want to be, how you want to act. Not the circumstances, not the other person, you. It's always your choice too. It's not your choice. So you decide it's not. So I I loved it. Uh, 
not a lot of action the first round, round and a half, where both were being very careful. It was a rematch. They had a reason to be careful. They knew each other. Uh, They were both the first fight, of course. Uh, Marino had won, I think it was in 2019. He won a decision, three-round decision. They were both posturing early on for position, trying not to make a mistake, trying not to give the other guy any kind of advantage. Uh, I noticed Marino, I like it. He's, he's walking small to the guy, making sure his feet are under him, making sure he's balanced, making sure he's aware of range. Uh, again, uh, a lot of fencing early on, trying to figure each other out without giving each other anything to take advantage of. Uh, and then, of course, slowly the fireworks would get started later on in the second round, third uh, third round. It was the third round, right? When he caught him with the yeah, third yes, third yeah. round. And and listen to your point. We've seen great boxers like Mickey Ward and in a way Mike Tyson to deliver that. You know, uh, Canelo does it well. A lot, a lot of you know Mexican fighters are known for that punch. Uh, the left hook to the body, where to the liver. Now, when that punch, the difference between that and a head punch, the head punch, you could go out. You know, the lights go out, the lights get dim, depending on what level of, you know, of unconsciousness you go to. Uh, But with the body, none of that stuff happens. What happens is that, you know, you kind of like one of those skits with Richard Pryor, where he was joking about, you know, shadow boxing with Joe Frazier or with Muhammad Ali. And, uh, you know, then he says, legs, get me out of here, you know. And and then her, her joke about, uh, I knew what I had to do, but my legs said no. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what happens where your mind is okay, but your legs say no, they're not okay. And the rest of your body, it's agonizing pain. It takes. It's very rare that somebody survives that punch. The discipline it takes is is almost uh, inhuman, uh, and again, it short circuits the body, not the brain, the body, and it's just that perfect spot when it's delivered right. Boy, oh boy, it's excruciating. That's the best word I can use, and. Usually you see it delivered like Mickey Ward did, like Inouye does, Tyson did, you know, uh, Canelo has done uh, with the left hand. This is the left foot. I've never seen it done with the left foot. (laughs) I got to be honest. First time I saw a great left foot to the liver, uh, but it's it's the same effect. It's the same effect. It's it's debilitating. Uh, It destroys everything uh, all at once. and But before that, you know, again, both guys were, you know, it wasn't exciting the first part of the fight, but it was a reason for it. It was a rematch. They respected each other. And in that case, you can't, to your point, I'm going to jump on a point you made earlier about Pena. You can't just walk in there reckless. You can't because you get taken out. You got, that's not what it's about. It's not about just being tough. It's about being smart and tough and and calculating. That's what it's about. That's what the top ones are, you know, why they're the top ones. They have a combination of those things, of the cerebral part and the physical part and the technical part. So when people see that, 
That that's why that's going on. You make one little mistake in that cage with these guys who are so well trained, uh, you're gone. You're gone. The thing that I noticed before that kick that I think was missed was there was a jab. The jab made the arms of France go up a little, just a little bit where it created a little space where the foot got in. Uh, so it was set up. It was set up really damn well. Uh, you know, I, I I just, like I said, it was... We love Marino. He's a great. He's just a great guy to be an ambassador uh, for that sport. Really, you, you, it's a it's a vicious, tough sport, and and then you got a humble, great human being who can be vicious and tough in the ring, but outside it, he's humble and he's he's just uh, a great example uh, to everybody of how to live your life. So. That's it for me on that one. I think that covers it all. Yeah, that was uh, the only thing I would add uh, to it, Ken, is that we, we I'm looking forward to it. It looks like we're going to get his Figueroa uh fourth time, you know, with yep. uh, Figueroa. And you touched on it. Uh, they fought three times. The first was a draw. I thought he won the first, Romero. I did. I thought he won the first one. Uh, the second one, he won. Uh, he he won. Uh, he got the title, and then the third one, Figueroa won the title back. So it's time to go four times. You know, it's time to go for the fourth, and I look forward to it. Reminds me a little bit of um, Holloway and uh, Volkanovski. Although these these those fights with Moreno and Figueroa are just super super close. Um, very close. Um, but yeah, that, that's a good one. And <laughs> Figueredo wants to push the animosity uh, angle in promoting the fight. And Moreno is just like, I don't think you couldn't do anything to upset that guy. He's just like, it's just a job for him, a job that he loves, but a job nevertheless. Um, let's rattle through the rest of that uh, main card. I know we've got a lot to cover in boxing. So with that, I thought a very early stoppage, Derek Lewis in against... Um, Pavlovich, um, Sergey Pavlovich, uh, both two gigantic tough guys. The stare downs were good. The lead up was good. Derek Lewis never disappoints in terms of hyping a fight. I thought that there was incredibly early stoppage. I can understand why the ref stopped it. He did get dropped, but Derek Lewis. Are you he's are hand- you sure, Ken? Because in that one. Maybe because I see the boxing one, the Russell and Bartholomew. Yeah, Bartholomew. Yeah, that we're going to talk I, about. I just that felt, life. I just felt like with Derek Lewis, that's his style. Like he's come back from those. I got he wasn't you. Out. I got he you. did go down. He was moving, and I mean, I thought it was look, a good it, stoppage, it, but I, 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 I understand what a, you're saying. It's a judgment call, but the thing that I didn't like is as soon as the ref is like getting in there, Derek's on his feet in like a half a second, and it's just, I get it from the ref's perspective. They're big guys. They're taking shots, but. Derek Lewis, I mean, you know who you're, you, as a ref, you know who you're in there with. This guy takes shots to give shots. I just, look, I, it's hard to argue with, with a ref trying to save the fighter. I don't think that there's, that's the other thing with the UFC. I don't think that there's any BS involved. I don't think there's an agenda. I think the ref is genuinely acting out of concern for the fighter. Whereas in the boxing, we'll get into that. I think there was other, other, other um, elements at play, but 
it's just unfortunate. You could see how upset Derek was, and I, uh, it's hard, you know, that's a tough call. Do you want to see Derek get punched in the face multiple times more if he's actually hurt? I think he, he could have probably he let him hurt. go another couple hurt. of shots, but he jumped right up, and he, you know, that's a I tough understand. one. Listen. Give it to me. Yeah, Lewis has to go through hell to get to heaven. That's just his, that's it. That's his life. That's his style in the ring. That's his M.O., uh, that that's it and and that's and you gotta and sometimes you don't get to heaven you just don't get there um because uh you know the flames engulf you before you get there you know when that's your style live by the gun die by the gun that's the first thing i thought about really when it comes to him for me that's the mantra for for lose i live by the gun i die by the gun and so it's no shock when he knocks out someone, no shock when, when he gets beat this way either. Um, because that's just the way he plays it. He, he's like Deontay Wilder in many aspects, except he fights, he's fought a lot of really good fighters. Deontay, for the most part, fought a few, you know, especially Fury. And he, 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 he's lost two or three, one was a draw. But Wilder can punch like hell. That's a great eraser with when you make a lot of mistakes. But sometimes even that's not going to save you. Yep, that was it. Unfortunately for Derek, I think that might be three in a row. Give me one sec. Let me just see what I have here for um He's not on a very good streak here. I got Derek losing three of his last four. He lost to... Um, he lost to Cyril Gan and challenged for the title. Then he lost to Dacus. Then he lost to Tuivasa. Then he lost. Now he's lost to Pavlovich. Um, two and three in his last five, but he's a moneymaker. He brings pay-per-view. He sells pay-per-views. People love to see him fight. So curious to see what's next for Derek. Definitely. That's a good point, Ken. Ken, I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna, uh, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna add a little color to that point you just made. He's one of the rare guys. Just like in boxing, and I'm going to, as I always do, I'm going to put proof to what I'm saying. I'm going to give you examples, not just give you theory. He's one of those rare guys that can lose and still be still be popular and still make money uh, and still get an audience. Uh, just to clarify there, Teddy, as I was rattling down the list, I think I misspoke. Doc. He beat Dawkins, so he lost to Surreal Gun in a title fight, then he beat Dawkins via KO, and then he lost to Tuivasa and uh, Pavlovich. Sorry, I got carried away rattling down the uh, thing. As you can see, I've got my reading glasses on here because I can't see all the screens perfectly anymore. I'm getting up there in age, and the eyesight's going. But let's jump into the next one. Um, Alexandra Pantoja against Alex Perez. He beats him in a submission in the first round with a neck crank, which it looked like he had him in a rear naked, but the um, uh, the arm wasn't underneath the chin. But apparently, and I don't have this kind of experience, uh, when you get the arm across the face like that and start cranking on the jaw, it's uh, enough to make someone pass out, according to the announcers. And uh, if anyone knows about chokes, it's, um, of course, Daniel Cormier. Those guys know their business. And uh, yeah, awkward, awkward finish there. But man, you know that someone squeezed in your face hard when you have to tap due to uh someone squeezing your jaw how'd you like that fight it was fast uh it was <laughs> it was fast it was again uh pantoja just came out guns blazing you know he he wasn't there to you know 
for niceties. He wasn't there to introduce himself and get to know each other. He was there to get the job done. He went out there a little reckless, come just drunk, but he got away with it. His offense was his defense. He he walked him down. He just walked right at Perez. Perez tried to counter in between as he stepped back. Kind of like, you know, uh, very similar to what Pavlovich did against Lewis, but he didn't get it done. I, I think there was one right hand. He tried to nail him in between as he as Pantoja was coming, but he, he he made it a little bit of an arc, a little bit of a hook instead of straight, and he lost his balance a little bit, missing it. Uh, and then once he lost his balance, that's all Pantoja needed. He also got him while they were like while they were dry and not starting to sweat yet, and apparently that makes a huge difference. That was his plan. I'm going to jump on this man right away, and um. If it works the way I think it's gonna work or the way I want it to work, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get an early uh, shower. And matter of fact, <laughs> he could skip a shower. He didn't need a shower. <laughs> I'll, uh, um, uh, Molly the meatball in uh, London. No shower. Straight to the whiskey. Straight yeah. to the press conference with yeah. whiskey in hand. She's great. I love the her and Patty. Her and Patty. Great, uh, dynamic duo. You got to throw Portnoy in there. The three of them are. <laughs> yeah. the, the three of them do Every time I good. see that clip of Portnoy jumping up and down holding Molly, it's just the best. Uh, no, no, no one sticks it to his haters more than Dave Portnoy. <laughs> oh, man. And I'm proud. Uh, right. I'm proud I'm on his not hated list. Yeah, exactly. There's only like two or three people. How on many there. people have a not hate list? <laughs> not too many. <laughs> not too many. <laughs> I, well, you hate a lot of people when you can make a list of the people you don't hate, and it only includes single-digit people. I can't even start a not-hate list because I wouldn't know where to start. I, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't know. I, I guess I start with, with you and Rob um, and Sam, <laughs> our man here, Sam Rivera, who does a great job of, of taping all this. But then I'd have to take a minute. I'd have to take a moment and have to reflect uh, as as the most civilized people will say, I reflect on it a little. Yeah. Well, while you're reflecting, let's talk the last fight on the main card or the first fight on the main card of the night. Unfortunately, our good friend Anthony Smith, Lionheart, we love that guy. He was in tough against uh, Magomed Ankalaev and uh, looked like Anthony might have broken his ankle or his leg early in the fight. Of course, like a soldier, he soldiered on, and uh, but uh, you can't. I mean, it's hard enough to fight a guy like uh, Ankalaev when you're 100, percent and it wasn't happening for Anthony Smith, and unfortunately, couldn't really defend himself on one leg, not against a guy like that. And uh, Ankalaev gets the um, TKO TKO stoppage in the uh, second round. Tough one for Anthony Smith. I feel for him. He's such a nice guy. How'd you like that fight? I, I love Anthony Smith as, a, as the same way as we love Marino as a human being and as a fighter, as a gladiator. He's a gladiator. He's fought everybody. Uh, he's smart. He's a great commentator. He's a, he, he, he's a good human being. And this makes three consecutive weeks where a serious injury uh, influenced the fight. Uh, in the UFC cards. Did you know that, Ken? That's three consecutive yep. weeks. Uh, two yep. of them were leg two main, injuries. Two main events and one, was, and one main cut. Yep. Yes. Two were leg injuries and one was a dislocated uh, shoulder. So yep. it's it's just a reminder of how difficult this sport, how dangerous this sport, how I say about boxing, you go in the ring, you might come out of there with less of yourself. These guys do it. 
That's why I, they can't make enough money for me. That's why I never begrudged them a cent. Uh, I, they, you could someone could say, Teddy, we're, we're guys making one billion dollars. Good, good to get in that octagon. To get in that good. If that's what he can get, let him get it. He deserves it. With the risk that these guys take, the price that they're willing to pay, and they do pay sometimes. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is how he's got the right fight name Lionheart because this guy breaks his leg and then he's standing there going out in the second round with a broken leg and he's standing there not complaining not even saying oh gee I, I, just nothing just stoic going out there to do what he has to do despite the way the leg feels because that's what he does that's what they do because that's the code of behavior for the warrior that you, you go out there and you finish the mission. Yeah, or whether you're hurt, too bad. That's part of the. That's part of it. Sometimes. Let's not forget that Anthony Smith is also the guy who got hit with an illegal blow against John Jones. Could have easily just stayed down and become become the light heavyweight champion. Huge financial repercussions when you're the champion. You get pay per view points. He knew that he knew everything that was going on and decided, no, nope, I'll go on even though I've been hit illegally. And uh, yeah, he just speaks code. volumes to his character. Yeah, his code, his character, all, all most, a lot of these, most of these guys, and <laughs> he's a great example of that. We we just hope he recovers, and uh, he he'll, he'll be able to if he decides had a long great career, he'll be able to go at it again if that's what he wants. Yeah, very good. And the one thing I would recommend that he does do in his as part of his recovery is to jump on some Athletic Greens real quick. Want to just take a quick minute here to give a shout out to those guys. Athletic Greens, they've been with us from the beginning. Teddy and I take this on a regular basis. Teddy's down probably 30 pounds now. No, no, no. 18 pounds. It. We got to be accurate here, Kenneth. All right. 18 yeah. pounds. Eight, I'm, I'm stuck at 18 for the last few days. Well, you've been traveling. It was your birthday. We're going to give you some slack on this the, weekend, here, Well, here's the, the good news. It didn't go, it didn't go, it didn't get heavier. It, it, it stayed, but it hasn't dropped. But I'm going to get it down because I want to lose 30. Good. Well, you'll get there. Well, anyway, I wanted to show today, everyone, these are the um, these are the travel packs that they'll send you for 10 free travel packs with your first purchase using the code ATLAS. Go to athleticgreens.com slash ATLAS. First purchase, they'll give you 10 of these travel packs. I'm getting ready to go to um, L.A. for a couple days this week. You know I've already got these things packed in my suitcase. I'm not exaggerating when I tell you I take this every single day. It's the one supplement in my regimen that I would never miss. You know how some people, hey, you know how some people, you know, gangsters out there, whatever, but some people, just people protecting themselves, maybe they're a little nervous. Um, They they sleep with a gun under their pillow. Ken sleeps with athletic (laughs) greens under his pillow. That's it. That's it because I consider I consider Athletic Greens an insurance policy for my body's health and immunity, especially during these COVID times. COVID's making a resurgence. If nothing else, it's been proven that taking enough vitamins can help in the prevention of the spread or can help in the severity of the COVID virus if you catch it. Athletic Greens has me covered there. I take it every single day. And like I said, never travel without it. Athleticgreens.com slash atlas 10 free travel packs with your first purchase please give them a shot it helps the show helps us 
help us help you and uh we appreciate all the support let's talk about boxing Teddy. no 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 you you there's one there's one you missed dope and alves we got to touch on that one in the ufc uh. Was, yeah, that, uh, was that the main on the prelims? No, no, but it's one that I think the fans would like me to touch on, us to touch on, because it was very sudden with all the action, all the athleticism, all the fighting, everything going on. Bang! One sudden punch to a very specific area ends it just like that. Just like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw it. With that was uh, that was on the prelims. That's uh, Drew Dober against a third round stoppage over Rafael Alves. Great fight come. Great fight up to that point. Yes, like you said quick yes. ending. How'd you like it? Uh, it was like it was like taking your grandkids to the or your kids to the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Day parade, um, which is a big deal in New York City, where you have those big giant floats you know, of of uh, Bullwinkle and this one and I don't know, Mickey Mouse gets in there, I'm not sure. SpongeBob. Uh, SpongeBob maybe. And and all these big giant floats. And then all of a sudden you let the air out and bang, that big giant float's gone. It's gone. Just like that. That's what happened to to Alves, you know, against Doba. Uh it's it's tremendous. Everything's going on and and then all of a sudden like to people that wouldn't know, they'd say, How did that stop these animals? How? And well, the same way as it stops Macy Day float, where all the air just bang immediately comes out. Comes out. And it didn't it didn't that, look like a big shot either. It just hit him right on but the But it's right where spot. it is, solar plexus. Yep. Bob Fritz Simmons, back in the nineteen twenties. Uh he was middleweight. Listen to this, Ken. He was middleweight, light heavyweight, heavyweight champ. Can you imagine? Uh <laughs> and he didn't look like he was a very unassuming looking guy, going a little bald actually. Uh you know, they didn't have cheddar pads, cheddar peats, whatever back in those days to cover up those ball spots, whatever that is. Uh so Fitzsimmons had one great weapon. One, it wasn't the most physical guy in the world, but he, back in those days, people didn't really know about the anatomy the way they do now. They didn't know about you know the specific areas that you could hurt somebody and that specific punches you could use to debilitate somebody to the body, and he did, and he used the solarplex punch. And he knocked a lot of guys out with that punch. And and like I said, he was a he won three division titles, middleweight, light heavyweight, and heavyweight, Bob Fitzsimmons. So this guy reminded me of that. Doba, he just placed a perfect shot right in the middle of the body. Right? There's a little hole. People don't there's a little hole in your chest. It's called the solar well, you do the Heimlich. Yeah. And and it's it's a vulnerable little place. And if you hit the guy there. All bets are off. All bets are off. Just like when Fitzsimmons used to hit him. And Doba hits him there. And again, a lot of people are like, my God, how could that how could that end a war? How could that these guys they they walk through punches, they eat punches, they they eat elbows, they eat knees, they eat kicks. But you hit him in the solar plexus and the air gets let out of that giant balloon and they it happens and um that's exactly what transpired uh the secret weapon of bob fitzsimmons was brought back to life all the way in 2022 by doba and it was just like that it was over 
And it's like I said, it's right in that place where you'd place your hands to uh, uh, administer the Heimlich maneuver, which reminds me of the time I was at um, one of my uh, one, one of my proudest moments. I was at an all sports dinner for the New York Athletic Club when I was doing triathlon for those guys, and I was on a board that oversaw the um, funding of the Olympic athletes for that that rate that represented the New York Athletic Club that had Olympic aspirations. We'd fund their um, training. And I uh, was sitting there at the big formal dinner. Teddy, everyone has on suits. I think Joe Namath might have been the speaker there. It's a big deal. It's a big dinner. They put it on in the gym. It's a first-class operation. It's really nice. And um, I'm sitting next to my friend Booker Poole, who was the um, chairman of the triathlon board. And we're eating, a, I think he was eating a shrimp cocktail. And he looks over at me, and he does the universal sign for him choking with his hands on his throats. Teddy, I was like... This is my moment. It was almost in slow motion. I was like, here we go. I jumped up, gave him the Heimlich. Boom, gigantic piece of shrimp came out of his mouth. And, and uh, he still credits me all the time to save in his life. But I was like, I'm just glad I got there before anyone else did because I'm sure everyone would have done the same thing. But uh, my my wife never lets me forget it. She'll remember the time you saved your friend Booker? I'm like, wow. oh, man. No, thank God you. Thank God you were there. Thank God you knew what to do. I mean, I've taught all my kids the Heimlich. It's my worst fear, man, that someone chokes and people don't know how to do it. And you're choking and you're like, someone Heimlich me, please. But uh, yeah, we, we, we give I, I give the kids every couple of weeks a little tutorial, a refresher in how to do the Heimlich. Well, I but, wouldn't uh, want to get a Heimlich treatment from Dolba because he might just punch me in the solar plexus <laughs> and hope that works. <laughs> If you're choking, anything that will get that, whatever's lodged in your throat out, get it out of there. But um, yeah, good stuff there, Teddy. Thanks for the breakdowns. Let's talk about boxing and we'll kick it off with the uh, boxer of Sports Illustrated, boxer of the year, the great Jake Paul. His fight against Hasim Rockman Jr. has been canceled. In a nutshell, the way I see it is Hasim Rockman agreed to take the fight at 200 pounds. Probably knew he couldn't get there, but nevertheless... Business is business, and you got to represent yourself with some honesty. You, you say you're going to take a fight at 200. He His last fight, I think he was like 225, 230 in that neighborhood. Now, it's, it's very well 224, known. 224, 224. Okay, 224. There are fighters in like uh, middleweight, light heavyweight division in the UFC that will lose 20 overnight. Arturo Gatti one time fought Joey Gamache, weighed in 21 pounds heavier than where he weighed in the day before on fight night put on 21 pounds overnight, meaning he took off 21 pounds. Um, you know, when, when you agree to a, to a certain weight, the sanctioning bodies or the state athletic commission wants to see periodic updates that you're on weight, meaning they don't want to see you at 220 a week, two weeks before you have to make the weight. They want you to make the weight safely. Hasim Rockman had agreed to all of these things, signed a contract, and now a week before the fight, week and a half before the fight, he says, I'm not going to get down there. They say, okay, we'll give you another five pounds, same price, same rate. And uh, then he comes back and says, no, I need 215. And basically the fight's been canceled. I, It's hard to understand what Hasim Rockman was thinking. If he couldn't make the weight, he couldn't make the weight. But you know if you can't get down to that weight, you can't, you know, you can't get down there. And uh, anyway, not just not just 
uh, it doesn't just ruin the thing for Jake Paul. There were a lot of fighters on the card. There's a lot of people involved in the production of a fight, the venue, the, all the different vendors that are engaged in, 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 in being hired that night. And it's just unfortunate. Taking aside the fact that like the boxing purists aren't going to like the sideshow environment of a Jake Paul fight. I get that. I personally like it. I think it's entertainment. And at the end of the day, you're paid to get to be like you said earlier. Aren't you not enter Are you not entertained? I'm there to get entertained. And, and I happen to like these fights i i like the circus environment uh but nevertheless it's just a terrible look i mean it's it's unfortunate that the event's going to be canceled and all the other fighters are going to lose a payday but what are your thoughts on that all right there's a couple issues i gotta touch on here because there's as usual you know there's uh like an argument with two people there's your side his side and the true side <laughs> so you know, there, there's always other dimensions to it. And I'll touch on those dimensions because I know there's a lot of haters out there that are, are saying that, Jake Paul, and I'm not here to defend either guy. I'm here to just say what I believe and and try to be as fair about it as possible and just down the middle, go with the facts uh, and break it down, which is our job. There's a lot of haters out there that are going to say, and are saying that Jake Paul was scared, he was running scared, he, uh, that he, he, he pulled out of the fight, you know, again, whatever, they do, because he went through a lot of stuff with the Fury fight that never, that was canceled, I guess, twice, and now, who knows with that, there was a lot of different stuff with that one, um, you know, the first time, the second time, whatever, but that he's afraid of Rockman and all this stuff. And then, of course, there's the people that said what you said, that it's just Rockman signed the contract, he should have lived up to it. You know, he should have he lived up to what, what he agreed to. First thing I touch on is, yes, Jake Paul was asking Rockman, at, who fought his last fight at 224 pounds, to come down to his weight, close to his weight, of 190. Paul fights at 190. He wanted him to come down to 200. Was he looking for an event? Yeah, damn right he was. Oh, Teddy, but why was it? His business. The same reason why Canelo is asking Triple G and telling Triple G that he's got to fight at 168 because Canelo makes the money. Because he's the golden goose. Guess what? In this world of these kind of fights that we're talking about right now, Jake Paul is the golden goose. Jake Paul is Let's the guy. Let's not forget, Teddy. Rockman is 12-1 and one as a heavyweight fighter. They weren't twisting his arm and forcing him to do it. They, hey, hey, Teddy, you want to make $10 million to get in the ring and fight um, Bob Arum? Yes. Okay. What's no, the weight? No, One ninety. Okay, cool. I'll do it. That, that Make it up. My point is, if I call you and say, "Would you like this deal? Uh, if you can get to one eighty, I'll pay you X amount of money. I'll take it." And then two weeks later, you're like, try and say, "Well, you you but tried to get I'm me down get too to, low." Then no, don't no, agree to that. But Ken, I'm going to go through all that. It's all right. Makes me crazy. But, no, but this is the point. You got to go one point at a time. So yeah, I got you. He's bringing, he's bringing the money. Jake Paul is is Canelo in his world, in this world. Yep. And he's bringing the money so he could demand that a guy who fights at 224, you said he's had 13 pro fights around that weight, that if you want to make more money than you've ever made before, which he would be, you come down to this weight. Now, 
the people that want to say, oh, Teddy, that's not right, Paul. What do you mean not right? It's what are you talking about? Like in The Godfather, it's not personal. It's it's business. He he knows. Yeah, he wants an advantage. Rockman had a hundred amateur fights supposedly, and he's got thirteen pro fights. Paul doesn't have that kind of experience. Was Paul trying to level the playing field by bringing his weight down and maybe weakening him? Yeah, he's not stupid. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. If he could do it, he's going to do that. It's up to Rockman, back to your point. It's up to Rockman and his people when they're offered this offer of making 200 when they were 224 in their last fight of saying yay or nay to say, wait, we can't make that. We're going to be weak. We, we're going to hurt ourselves. No, we can't do it. But they were greedy. They wanted the money. And they said yes before they thought it out. And then once the reality started to strike that he had to make the weight, that he, could, that he had to go through what you have to go through to make that kind of weight, he wasn't either prepared to do that or didn't think he could do it and have any chance at all to get in that ring and be competitive. Something he should have thought about before he put his John Henry onto that contract. That he should have thought about before he well, signed Teddy, the paper. One, one other, one other quick thing. They asked him to lose twenty four pounds. Dustin Poirier walks around at one eighty to one eighty five. He weighs in at one fifty five. We're not talking about something out of the ordinary. Twenty four pounds for a guy that big. That's but it depends on your structure. It depends on your frame. It depends on your skeleton. You know, you have to you have to go to the right nutritional uh, people, uh, doctors. Uh, you know, it's out there. They can weigh you in the water. They can they can find out what your proper body weight is, how much you can That's lose. That's fair, but I'd argue and, you know, not even But trying. they should have done that. They should have done that before. Uh, some guys, maybe they can't lose that weight and still be able to walk up the steps and get in that ring. But, again... They had to figure that out. They should have figured that out before they put their John Henry, uh, John Hancock, whatever the frig it was. Uh, John Henry was a fighter. Uh, before they, <laughs> he, he had a good signature too. But you he was were a on fighter. a roll. I hey, didn't want to yeah, interrupt it's you. Okay, it's okay. It's okay. It's <laughs> okay. I, I, I get there. It takes me a minute, but I figured get there. <laughs> before he did that, before he put his Hancock on that freaking piece of paper, he, these are things they had to figure out. And obviously, they only thought about, yeah, the money sounds good. And again, for those haters out there that are going to, I'm not taking sides. I'm not taking Paul's side. He don't need me to take a side. He knows what he's freaking doing. He's made a lot of money in this thing by creating this kind of atmosphere, this kind of environment for these kind of shows. He, he, he knows what he's doing. So... Again, he was Canelo. You want to get mad that people take advantage uh, when they can take it? Get mad at Canelo. Canelo makes everybody come to his demands, including the great Triple G, who has to go up to 168 if he wants to make this third fight, which he is, which he's going to do. So you have the advantage. You, you use that advantage in business, and obviously this is a business. So... Paul said, yeah, you want to fight me? Okay, I'll fight a guy with 100 amateur fights, a guy with 
13 pro fights, 14 pro for whatever it was, 13 pro fights. I think it was 12 and 1. He got knocked out his last fight by Tommy Morrison's uh, son. Uh, you know, so yeah. Uh, but but I'm gonna I'm gonna get an advantage I can get being that I'm the I'm the A side. I'm the golden goose. I'm Canelo in this particular sport where I'm going to make you come down and wait. And they should have figured it out before they freaking ran and thought about the money and, and just said yes. And as far as for the people out there, the skill levels, we know about Paul. He's strong. He punches good with the right. He, it's a work in progress. He's still, he's still crude in some areas. He's still raw, but he's learning. He, he's doing the right things, to learning the fundamentals, uh, trying to progress all the time. Uh, Rockman was way ahead of him. Yeah, had 100 amateur fights. Uh, he's a, he's a, he fights southpaw uh, at times. I think he could switch. He, he's got good boxing skills. Uh, not bad, not great, but pretty good boxing skills. More advanced than Paul, that's for sure. Uh, but he's not a, he didn't have power. He was not a puncher. Uh, just, just could box fairly good. And, and this is what Paul was willing to go up against. But he wanted, he wanted to have any edge he could get. And this is one that he got. They agreed to it. Uh, and at the end of the day, they, they, uh, they reneged on their agreement. That's that's it. That's it. Yep, that's that's a pretty good summary, actually. Um, with that being said, let's get into the real action this week, starting with um, Danny Garcia back in action against Jose Benavidez. You mentioned it earlier that um, Danny Garcia looked great in this in terms of his technical prowess. I think they had the perfect opponent in front of them in Benavidez, who wasn't on the same technical level from my perspective as Danny Garcia, but was very game, is very and tough. And that's what I was tweeting all night long, just what you just repeated. I was tweeting out all night that that he showed Benavides, he exposed him. I, uh, there's a, look, there's Benavides fans out there that probably think he's better than he is. That's up to you. That's up to you. Uh, but for me, he's a strong guy. He had a lot of amateur background. He comes from a fighting family. I get it. Uh, he's got it in his veins. But uh, from what I've seen, he's, he's, a, you know, he's a guy that, that goes in there he's he thought he was going to walk in and throw punches and catch him with a right hand or whatever and outstrength him or whatever hurt him when he wanted to hurt him but there's a lot more to the sport i know benavides is not a caveman i know he's better than that i'm not trying to paint him that way but he's but garcia exposed him for a different level of fighter than garcia is he exposed him in it, like I said, um, matchmakers, excellent job in getting this opponent served up for Danny Garcia because he's only had two fights since 2018. In 2018, he got knocked out by um, Terrence Crawford, and then he had a fight in 2021 that he got a uh, draw against Francisco Torres. Um, not exactly a household name, but Terrence Crawford said that Jose Benavidez, if he fought the way he fought Terrence against Danny, he'd have a very good chance of being competitive. So I think Jose at times has shown some ability, but at this, to you, to use one of your terms, when he steps up to the next level, he's just not there. And um, 
Danny. He was perfect, the perfect opponent for Danny to look good at. Who and Danny's also been off for a hell of a long time. And unfortunately, Danny's struggling with some mental health issues. And man, you could see that bubble over after the fight. Very emotional. He was in tears in the in the um interview. It actually made me like Danny Garcia a lot more just to see how vulnerable he could be. And I think people like to identify with people that have struggled with things that they've I've struggled with these things myself over the years. And uh, mental health is such a dark, lonely place because you feel so incredibly vulnerable. Patty, Patty, uh, the baddie touched on it last week about, you know, when you're, when you're a man and you're going through emotionally tough times, it's easy to convince yourself that you're, a, that you're weak and you're a sissy and, and it's never going to get better and you can't confide in anyone. And hearing uh, Danny open up about his struggles just shows tremendous strength of character to be able to be honest and open with people. And like I said, I think a lot of people identify with that vulnerability. It made me feel for Danny a lot. It's a shitty place to be. So congratulations to Danny. Like I said, perfect opponent. How'd you like the fight? What were the technical uh, aspects that you picked up on with regards to Danny? Well, first of all, just to to add to that, um, we we wish him well, Daddy, that with his struggle, it's an ongoing struggle with the mental health, that he will continue to be at a good place, get to a good place, and have the support of loving family and friends around him. We're very happy that he did well, and we just want him to be well, uh, not as so much just as a successful professional fighter, but as a just as a person, as a person that has to live life, and uh, we hope that that he, as I said, he gets to where he needs to be and stays there and uh, has has a good life. Uh, it was I thought it was important that he mentioned the mental health issue because there are a lot of people, as you said, out there suffering suffering quietly, uh, where they're afraid to talk about it. They don't know how to talk about it. Uh, there's so much that's not known about the mental health part, and uh, they need help. And can I they, say one other thing, Teddy? Uh, they should, they should, they should try to get the help if they need the it. The one thing that really made me feel concerned for Danny is that his identity is so closely tied to boxing, and he said that this is where he felt where 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 he felt at ease in training for fights and that makes me nervous only that he's an older guy and if your whole identity and your whole personality is wrapped up in being a fighter he needs to start thinking about that and segueing into the next chapter of life because you just can't do it forever and you see it time and time again where people hang on just to fight too long two fights too long and they're taking unnecessary punishment and suffering the long-term consequences of cte head injuries etc and i just hope that as part of his like recovery or therapy that he recognizes that his worth isn't just tied to being a fighter. Yes, he's a great fighter, but that's just one chapter of an entire novel that makes up a life. And um, yeah, I hope someone is pointing that out to him. Like, well, you're I'm not sure just a are. fighter, you're a dad and a person. And, you know, I'm sure they are too. I just want to highlight for other people. No, you know, I, you can't, I, I, I your value can't be attached to one activity. Well, that's why I said before that uh, no matter what he does and how great he's doing with boxing, which is beautiful. I, I just hope, we just hope that he also is victorious in that other fight. You know, we all have different fights going on. And it's, and I knew you would identify, I knew you'd pick up on this. That's why I wanted to bring it up because no one understands the mental aspect of this more than you do. And we just hope that, as a, yeah, and I just hope that he, 
that he's successful in that fight, which is a more important fight. It's a fight for his life and for his happiness and for his family's happiness. Uh, so, uh, and I'm glad he touched on it because it it allows people out there to maybe feel a little bit more secure of a fighter, uh, a macho person like a fighter. You know, I mean, you talk about you, you talk about macho. You talk about you know. Uh, you know, being being uh, uh, the strength of a you know of a person, a man. You know, you, if some people look at a fighter as that. You don't have to be a fighter to be a man. You don't have to be a fighter to be strong. But some people will look at that and say, "Wow!" And if this guy could talk about this, if this guy could be vulnerable, anybody could, uh, and anybody could should be able to talk about it. If if a guy that makes a living. You know, knocking people out can talk about it. So I, I think it was important that he talked about it. Uh, Ryan Garcia has been through this. He's talked about it a little bit, about mental health issues. I wish all of these guys luck and, and the best in those fights, in those fights, not just their fights in the ring, but those personal fights uh, with their mental health issues uh, to get to the right place and to conquer what they have to conquer and to be happy. And uh, getting back to the fight, Garcia, he was brilliant. He was brilliant. He was off two years. You never would have known it. He was brilliant. He he showed, he, he exposed Benavides, but he showed what he is. If there's a knock on Garcia where sometimes he could lose a fight, he's always in a fight because he's that good. But he could get outworked. He could get out hustled. He depends on his counter punches too much sometimes. Uh, not tonight. He created his own offense. He didn't just look for it on the back end with the counters. He looked for it on the front end. He created it on the front end with his jab. Uh, he got a faster start than he normally does. <laughs> he knew he had to. He knew he wanted to. <laughs> and he did. He used his jab beautifully to set up combinations, set up other punches. He counted magnificently to both the head and body, especially the body. Um, he 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 put on a clinic as a terrific, great boxer. You know, using the ring in spots, being in the pocket in spots, countering, leading, uh, everything, everything, combinations single shots, uh, he did it all. And you're right, he had the right guy in front of him because this guy was exposed. That's just a guy was going to walk in and throw cold, naked punches. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, no setups to them. Uh, Garcia was disguising his punches, setting them up, doing them off misses, doing them off jabs, doing them in different you know, ways that that really constitute what the sweet science is supposed to be all about. Uh, not just being a tough guy, being a smart guy. He he did he did it all night long. I thought he only lost one round, the ninth round. Other than that, then he took control in the tenth again. I thought he won every round. The only thing that as great as Garcia was and he was great was how bad that judge was that had it a draw made it a majority decision i mean that guy should be thrown out of the sport immediately 
He had crazy that adre- too, because you he, would think that they, you would think that Danny Garcia is like of the two fighters. He's the A side. He's the bigger draw. He's the main event. Like you would think that they'd be favoring. And it him. pissed it me crazy. off. I'm not afraid to say it. It pissed me off that the commentator said, "Oh yeah, that was a bad one." But you know what? That's not belabor the point. Uh, they got it right. No, they didn't get it right. He got it wrong. He added a draw. That's the problem. That's the effing problem. I'm sorry. That's the freaking problem in this business. That you, it's boxing. You just, you just, you know, you let it roll off your back. Ah, what are you going to do? No, it should be stopped. It should be stopped. Are you kidding me? Are you freaking kidding? If you were watching an NFL uh, game, you know, and, and uh, you saw the score and you saw one team won by three touchdowns, whatever, whatever it is, and then all of a sudden uh, one of the referees changes the score and, and has it an even freaking score at the end of the day. You, you, what would you do? Say, huh, <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, at the end of the day, the other oh, refs got it right. <laughs> well, we know who won. No, you get rid of that guy. He wouldn't work no more. It's called unemployment. They that doesn't happen in boxing. That doesn't happen. They they rob you. They do crazy things. They're working the following week trying to rob somebody else. And and commentators shouldn't take it that light. Yeah, I don't. Uh, you don't want to make that the story. But but you should make it the story sometimes. So you get rid of it. You clean up the effing sport. I used to make it the story when I had to on ESPN, and I got help for it, but it didn't matter. I wanted to, I wanted to change it, to change it, to make these, to make these judges afraid, afraid to to do something like that. That they're gonna get called out on it. They're not afraid. They don't get called out on it, and they destroy fighters' careers because of it. It's horrible. So having said that. Um, aside from that, it was, it was a terrific performance by Garcia, a horrible freaking joke by the, by that judge. The other judges, I don't remember the scores. They, I think they had it too close to, but at the end of the day, uh, just a versatile dimensional real exhibition of fighting, uh, showing every dimension, you know, all the versatilities. Uh, just tremendous job. I tweeted, I think I tweeted early in a fight to my point. I tweeted Ken early in a fight that I had a feeling Garcia was winning round after round. I had a feeling early on that Garcia might have to win every round. I tweeted this, that he might have to win every round to get a split decision. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> and, I saw that. And, and you know what? I, I, I'm, I, was, I was almost right. <laughs> I, I was almost right. That's unbelievable. I was almost right. Um, so, anyway. Let's jump to the uh, Adam Konoski against Ali Demer, Demerazin. I'm going to mispronounce his uh, name. No, that's fine. That Demir, sounds good to Demirzin. me. I watched the fight, and I still can't remember what the hell they were pronouncing it, but he was the um, Turkish Olympic Don't fighter. Don't worry. They probably got it wrong. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Turkish uh, Olympic fighter 2016 uh, comes into the fight. Uh, uh, Ali does that uh, 16 and one record of 16 and one. 
think he had 16 stoppages. Um, impressive guy, but I just don't know why. Yeah, he had one loss against F.A. Uh, Listen, uh, let me just jump in for one second, then you go on. They they picked this guy for Konecki to come back and win because they picked a guy that you could hit. They picked a guy that they thought was ordinary in certain areas, certain skill levels, and they picked a guy that was supposed to be an opponent. The only problem is they forgot how bad Konecki is. Go ahead, go. And listen, people yeah. don't like that too bad. Too bad. He's got a lot of hard Konecki. Facts and I'm the not facts, saying, Teddy. Facts and facts. He, uh, Adam Konoski now dropped three in a row. Like you said, they clearly they brought in Ali um, Demirza and thinking he was going to be cannon fodder, which is what I said to you during the fight. And, um, you know, Ali's only has one loss against F.A. Ajagba, who's who's a very good fighter, um, and he lost a unanimous decision. But he had Konoski's number all night. I said to you when the fight was starting, like, great fight here, but there's absolutely zero defense. They're both, both of them, to use one of your phrases, would be offended if you missed them. It was just a straight, like, it reminds me of those fight, those uh, slap contests, like where you slap each other in the face until one guy can't take it anymore. At times, it reminded me of that. Like, hey, punch me in the face six times. Okay, now my turn. And um, just defensively a bad fight. Entertaining if you like seeing heavyweights beat the crap out of each other. But at the end of the day, uh, the right guy gets the decision. Ali goes on. Poor Adam Konoski drops drops his third in a row. Uh, I'm afraid it might be the end of the road for Adam. Seems like a nice kid from Brooklyn. Yeah, he Polish does, but immigrant. he gets hit too much. He should yeah, retire. gets hit too much. Too much. I mean, he, and there's a price to pay for those fights. There's a price to pay for those guys. But you know, down yes. the road. Yeah, and these guys, you know, at heavyweight, you can only take so many shots to the head from a 260-pound guy. Um, so anyway. Konoski hey, drops you could be another. 106 pounds. I got news for you, Ken. You could only take so many punches to the head if you're 106 yeah. pounds. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, well, the head's not no, made right. for getting punched in it. No, you're 100% right. That was exactly the idea God had <laughs> when when he put the head on our shoulders, uh, that <laughs> that we could punch each other in it. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, Konoski, now he's dropped two in a row to Hellenius, and now he's dropped this to Demer Demerizin. And uh, I'm not sure where Adam goes from here. 20 and three, three, start, three losses, two by KO. And um, look, Ali uh, Demerizin, I don't think he's going to set the world on fire, but he moves to... Um, he moves to twelve and twelve and uh, sorry, fifteen and one, with like I said, a one one loss to uh, a guy, a Josh, a Jogba, uh, by decision. Um, not sure what's next for either guy, but not exactly the performance of the night. Okay, here it is. Um, you were you were using different descriptions for the fight. I got one. Rock'em sock'em robots. Okay, <laughs> that's what it was. You remember those, Ken? You remember yeah, that same theme? Yeah, exactly. This is Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Uh, as you used one of my quotes earlier, both guys were harder to miss than to hit. Uh, you know, they they get insulted if you miss them, and good good for Demerison. Uh, he'll get a fight out of this. He'll get a payday out of this. I'm sure he'll get another one out of this at least. So I'm happy for that, for him. Uh, he deserves it. He came in as the opponent. He did what he had to do. Uh, but let's get it straight. Like the late, great Howard Cosell used to say, you know, telling it like it is. Um, 
the commentators weren't telling it like it is, okay? And again, did I come here for this show to not commentate it, something that I did, you know, for what, how many years? What, 30 years, whatever? Um, 25 at ESPN? And no, no, I didn't. But if I'm going to do this show, I got to be honest, and I got to have the you-know-what to say things that someone else won't say. And where, you know, you... Everybody wants everybody to like them. I don't give a crap if you like me or not. I just give a crap if I like myself. <laughs> I don't think I don't think anyone's going to confuse that fact. <laughs> I just care if I like myself and if my family likes That's them, all that matters. the man I am. That's all. That's all. Yeah, good point. So I have a job to do. Uh, those commentators were either disingenuous or they don't know what they're watching. I don't care how long they've been doing this. They either do not know what they're watching, really, they really, uh, or they're not being. They just weren't being honest. They were lying to us because they actually said that a couple times during the night that hey, hey, I want you to realize to the fans, this isn't just a brawl. There's technique involved. These guys are good technical fighters. These guys are fighting good technical. What? 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 <laughs> Did I? I, I wanted. I, I turned to my wife. I said, "Did, did you put something in my tea?" She said, "What do you mean? I, I, I put Splenda. You're on a diet. I put two Splendas in your tea." I said, "Did you put any hallucinogenic?" Uh, any what? What? Uh, she hit I you mean, with some magic mushrooms. Did, what? <laughs> what did I just hear? These rock'em sock'em robots that can't get out of each other's way. That 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 get insulted if you freaking miss them. That you could close your eyes and hit them. That and they got all the heart in the world. I'm not taking that away. All the grit in the world. They they are courageous warriors. There's no doubt about it, but they get hit with everything. And to imply to your audience that's supposed to trust you as a guide through the night that these guys are fighting good, technical, responsible fights and and it's not just a brawl. What is it then? I mean, my God almighty, that would be... That would be like watching a golf station. My buddy uh, Bob Papa does the golf station. That would be like watching golf. Can you 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 have a golf course in your in your in your yard, right? So you understand this analogy because you got you don't have eighteen holes, but you have nine holes on your property. That's pretty damn good. <laughs> I'm the worst golfer. That's, that's pretty ever good. Swung a but club. that would be like a commentator in golf saying uh, the guy is. The guy is 30 over par. He's got 10 bogeys for the day. He's been in the lake more than he's been on the, on the ground, more than he's been on land, uh, hitting shots out of the lake. He just sent two people to the hospital because he two innocent bystanders got hit in the head by in his... The gallery. <laughs> in the gallery by uh, his misaimed shots. And then you say, but other than that, his fundamentals are good. 
<laughs> and the and the Live Golf Tour just paid him twenty five million dollars. Yeah, but other than that, Ken, Ken, other than that, his fundam he's fundamentally he's a good golfer. He he he. <laughs> I, I, that couldn't be said. If this was a golf match, it would have been miniature golf with the windmills. <laughs> and the dinosaur. And the dinosaur. I almost wonder if the producer is telling the announcers in their headphones, like, tell them how good they are technically. From your experience, did the producers ever ch chime in and tell you to remind you to, like, prop up the uh, house fighter or start, like, adding in crazy commentary, like, as if no one's listening? Um, These guys, they did not want to first of all they were good people that i work with i was lucky i was fortunate so they didn't put they wouldn't dare go there because uh i might take a break in between rounds and go to the truck and say don't you ever <laughs> ever suggest to me again that i say something other than what i'm saying but uh all kidding aside uh, I had good people. I was for, but listen, is that a possibility? You know uh, that they that they don't want to be. Maybe people criticize that it wasn't a. Uh, what what would it? What would I say? It it wasn't a um, high level event. It was just two tough man contest type guys. You know, good good action. Don't get me wrong, good theater, but not a high level event of skills that somebody would say make it look like it's a little better. I don't know. I don't know that that you got people doing that. Uh, you're responsible for what comes out of your freaking mouth, Ken. You know, at the end of the day, uh, shame on you if you allow somebody else to influence you in that way and you and you put your name to it. Shame on you if that you know. If that's the case, I mean, the guy who runs Showtime over there, uh, what's his name, Espinosa, he's a moron, he, he, you know, he, he's a moron, <laughs> but um, uh, as Dana White, he was on our show, he, he verified that in his mind, yeah, he's a moron, uh, but, and as McGregor, uh, even worse, called him all kinds of names, uh, right, right in public on camera, you know, call, uh, he called him names, I, I wouldn't even... I don't know. You you wouldn't call a you wouldn't want to call a dog, but you know he he had to eat it because I guess uh, you know if the name fits if the shoe fits it you have to wear it. I don't know. I don't know. But I don't I don't think that he's doing that. I don't think as bad as he is, and as bad as his reputation is with with good people, uh, I don't think Espinosa's doing that. But all I know is it it wasn't it wasn't right. To, to have, these guys at the end of the day these were two tough man contest guys these were sub novice gold glovers that was the skill levels they showed that was the <laughs> skill levels all right again that's you good, don't like that's it that's a good summation you don't like it go go freaking somewhere else go somewhere else where they're going to tell you what you want to hear they're going to lie they're gonna lie to you, you know, until you're satisfied. Oh yeah, that makes me feel better. Kumaye, <laughs> kumaye, la 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 la. Yeah, go ahead, go there, go there, but get out of here then, because you're not gonna get that over here. Uh, at the end of the day, Hollinius had already exposed Kornecki, uh, you know, when he knocked him out twice, when he finally stepped up. 
again, Konecki, yeah, he's, he gets hit. And yeah, you, if you like watching that, fine. You were happy. But he already been exposed uh, by Hellenius, who've been in there with good fighters, who had a better skill level, even though he was an older guy who had lost some fights at the top level. But he was way too much for Konecki. And then uh, this, they dropped down the level. They got a guy that was also crude and, and you know, easy to hit, right? Caveman type. And they put him in, and this guy was too much too. You know, this guy. Well, the, the the matchmakers or the promoters or the management deserves just as much uh, heat as Konaski. Like they, their job was. But like, they were we doing get this their kid job. Back on track. Uh, they get, were, get us they a were, fight we can win. Well, they couldn't find anybody in their mind that you could sell it because you got to sell it. That that yeah. you could sell it with the record with whatever I don't know, and at the same time, would be would be a guy they that he could beat. You know, a guy with a, a enough flaws that they could beat. They, I mean, you know, you you had to have a certain something to sell it. So they found for them, and and still be a fight on TV that you could put on, and and the people could say, okay, at least I got a fight. And they did. They got a fight. They got a fight of two guys that took turns hitting each other you know i will say if you take out all the elements of the personalities and the implications it was if nothing else it was entertaining watching big yes. guys beat the crap well, out of I each mean, other if that's what you like on your saturday night yeah i mean <laughs> but yeah i like uh, i like that more than a one-sided beatdown, to be honest which is typically what you'll get with an a versus b and again i'll finish with this ken at least the you i said it earlier I, I will knock the crap out of you if I think you deserve it, and I will praise the freaking the the hell out of you if I think you deserved it and you earned it. And the UFC fighters earned me uh, repeating that they they did the right thing. At least they are accurate and truthful and know what the hell they're they're watching and saying. And um, and and they were, they were they were, they were great, especially after hearing this. To hear those guys break it down the way they do, and and give you the intricacies of what's going on, uh, it was it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. All right, I've saved the uh, I saved in my mind the most controversial for the end, or the one that I th- had the biggest problem with. It really, this one really bothered me when I saw it. I insisted that you watch it, like you said, you were traveling, dealing with some, um, dealing with some issues, and uh, it wasn't the most convenient thing. But I just I knew when I saw it, something we had to discuss. Gary Antoine Russell in against Rancess Bartholomew. Uh, Gary Russell comes in sixteen and zero. Um, let me make sure I get the the, the record right. He comes in at sixteen and oh, came into the fight at fifteen and oh. I want to say he had um, sixteen all sixteen stoppages. I think he stopped everyone that he's fought. Um, comes in so like on paper, yeah, he's sixteen and oh with sixteen knockouts after that fight. He comes in against Francis Bartholomew, who's twenty one one and one. He has one loss that was. Um, 
Bartholomew has one loss. Let me just give you all the facts so I can set the yeah, stage course. here. Take your time. He has um, he has one loss coming into this against uh, Kareel Relic. He's been in for multiple title shots. This is a very experienced guy. He's got a draw against Robert Easter Jr. Experienced guy, but it's clear that from the promoter standpoint, management standpoint. They are giving Gary Ross, Gary Antoine Russell. Well, a step let me up add one class. thing. This. I I yeah. did Bartholomew's fights on ESPN, so I know him pretty well. He was a former champion, so there's a guy who was at a high level. <clears throat> he, he had a title. Cuban, he was deep a Cuban on, on the Olympic team, uh, I believe. But Cuban background, the the great Cuban uh, amateur teams, and they are great. Uh, they win most of the gold medals in the Olympics. Uh, he was a he he was a world champion, Bartholomew. Uh, he he's he's older now. He's he's thirty seven. Yeah, very old. Well, for a fighter, that can be very old. Uh, That's he's, very old for a fighter, especially yeah, lighter yeah. weights. And he's he's well beyond his. Uh, he's 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 in his twilight, beyond his twilight. Uh, he's way way past his better days or best days. So go ahead. Uh, so with but, all that but, being but a said, was, I mean, a I'm, guy who was a good fighter, go ahead, at one yeah, time. Yeah, so I'm painting the picture for you. Gary Antoine Russell stepping up, and I thought at times, you know, Gary Russell had some, like, really good moments in this fight, and he did look really good. And just for context, the judges had it. There was no way that, let's be honest, Bartholomew wasn't winning a decision unless he knocked him out, in which case he might get the split decision, to use one of your references. But the judges, through, through five rounds, the judges had it 48-47 for, for uh, Russell, 49-46 twice. Um, nevertheless, sixth round, good action all night. They're, they're both hitting each other. Russell's probably getting the better of them. The scorecards are probably right. But he hits him with a couple shots. Bartholomew goes down. It wasn't like devastating combinations where he was on Queer Street. He got him on the temple. You could tell right away it was the kind of knockdown where his equilibrium's off. His legs are kind of loose. But he's not really hurt and damaged from my perspective. And I'm, I'm going to turn it over to the expert in a minute. But I'm telling you what I saw, what I think most fans saw. So he gets buzzed. He, clearly, he goes down. He gets up. He doesn't look super secure, but he takes the eight count, standing eight, whatever it is. And the ref looks at him, takes his gloves, says, doesn't say one word to him. The fighter complies, like walks towards him, gives him the gloves. Referee takes one look at him and just waves his hand in the air. And look, at times, Bartholomew had moments in the fight where he looked okay. And, you know, maybe it was gonna, maybe he was gonna have something for him later in the fight. He's experienced. The other guy's young, stepping up in class. To me, it just looked like, oh shit, this guy's hanging in there tougher than we thought. The first chance we get to kick him out of here, let's get him out. And the ref waves the fight off. And it was literally the reaction from Bartholomew, as you would expect, is completely incredulous. Like, what are you talking about? I got knocked down once in a competitive fight. I just felt like, man, this is such a bad look. It's like what you said about, like, you know, if you're going to rob him, try to, like, try to paint a little bit softer of a picture. Don't be so obvious that the first chance you get to wave this fight off, you take it. Now, there's a lot of other variables. The guy's older, I get it, he, but he's not taking punishment. He's not getting battered about the ring, and I'm dying to hear what you think because for the fans, just for those who don't know, we never talk about the fights during or after in any kind of length other than some just brief text messages. Because we want to discuss it here, I'm representing the fans and what I think the typical fan is seeing in these fights. And obviously, Teddy's representing the uh you know, intellectual boxing trainer that understands the sport on a granular level and can really give insight. So that's 
the premise for these descriptions and having me set it up. And then Teddy takes it over and sometimes completely disagrees. And that's why we do it the way we do it. So with that, how'd you, what'd you think of the stoppage? I, I've seen worse. That's, that's where I'm going to start. I've seen worse. Not that that's a, always the right answer, but and I've seen worse. If it's a fast stoppage, it shouldn't be a fast stop, period. Whether you've seen worse or not, it's not right. If a guy gets robbed, whether you rob him by one point or you rob him by freaking 10 points, uh, you can't turn around and say, well, at least it was one point. It don't matter. He should have won. I don't care. It's one point at time. If he's if he deserves to get it, he should get it. Uh, if he sh- shouldn't be stopped, uh, whether I've seen worse or not, it shouldn't be stopped. But I needed to say that, that I have in this sport seen worse. The other thing I'll say is the punch that landed was a good clean punch out of nowhere, sudden punch, hard punch with everything behind it that he didn't really see, and it really did impact him. It was a good solid punch. It was a leaping hook. They were both southpaws, and what Russell did was he threw a leaping hook. I actually, again, I'm being shameless here, but I actually teach that punch in dynamic striking with the dynamic street striking uh videos instructional fight videos where i i show how to throw the leaping punch mike tyson threw it uh trace um floyd patterson really made it famous uh with that punch matter of fact he got one of the greatest knockouts or one of the most sensational knockouts uh, probably in the history of the sport with a leaping hook when Floyd and I asked uh, Rob to put up a clip of that for the fans to see it, where he, when he fought Akamai Johansson, who knocked him out in their first fight, uh, took the title away from Floyd Patterson in the rematch where Floyd Patterson became the first heavyweight ever to regain his heavyweight title, where he knocked out Johansson in the rematch, he knocked him out with a leaping left hook. The only difference here is Obviously, Russell being a southpaw, it's a leaping right hook. But the same idea, the same way of doing it. What you do is you push off your back foot. You have to time it perfectly. It works better against tall fighters. I, I've done it with my fighters, but not with tall guys. I only teach the short guys where if you have a tall fighter that you're fighting and you can put them a little pressure on them, and get him to back up straight in front of you, then it can be the perfect punch. And it was. And I give credit to Russell for seeing that and delivering it when he saw it. He backed him up with a little bit of pressure, and then when he was backing up, he had a tall guy taller than him in front of him standing straight. And as he went back, he leaped in, jumped in, whatever you want to call it, with the leaping hook, and he nailed him out of nowhere. Bang! And it was a sudden punch. It definitely hurt him. Uh, I don't know if he even saw it coming. And it was, again, the timing of it has to be right. The situation has to be right. It works against tall guys going back. He got a tall guy, got him going back. Perfect. Perfect punch. That's number one. Yeah. When he got up, obviously he was hurt by the punch. When he got up, he was a little off, and then he finally got himself together, and he, the referee was, you know, counting, and then, you know, was bringing him to him, and he got himself together. There was a moment that 
He was discombobulated, no doubt about it. But then it looked like he steadied himself. He was in front of the ref, to your point, what you're seeing. He's in front of the ref. And we didn't have the best viewpoint on the video, but from what we could see from we're seeing in front of the ref, behind the fighter, we could see what looked like he, for me, to your point, it looked like the referee must have been asking him, are you okay to continue? Which is what referees usually ask. One of the no, things. they had a mic. They, uh, Teddy, they had oh, I didn't a mic hear that. on the. See, no, I they had hear. a mic. Did he ask him that because they, it looked like he shook his head? Yes. No, they had a mic on him. They said, "Let's see what the ref says." He doesn't say a single word to him. He just looks at his face. Gives, give, give me. He doesn't say, "Are you okay?" Well, no, Ken, not one word. Really? Because tell me if you saw what I saw. See, I saw Bartholomew shake his head like like he was saying yes. So I yeah, saw it. But the ref didn't say anything right, to I him. saw it with no sound. Now, first of all, real quick, people, you guys will have no idea how much I must love you guys and doing this. Because when I went to Florida, I had to go down there under a little duress and we had to get some things that were very important done. And I'm down there and I said, I got to watch these fights. I got to be able to tweet if I can, but I got to be able to bring it with my man Ken on Monday to the audience. I didn't know if I was going to be able to do that. I get to the condo of my son-in-law's brother, Michael Fazio, great, great, great person. I'm very blessed that uh, my daughter married a good family into a good family. He's blessed that he married into a good family, I think, I hope. And, and we stay in there. And you know when the what's that the the Murphy's laws when things start going wrong, Ken everything goes wrong. So we went through a tough day. Everything's going, but we're there. We're blessed. We're, I'm with my family, my sister, my 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 wife, and I'm gonna watch the fights. And bingo, the cable goes. No cable. We can't watch it. They're gonna. So Michael tries to have somebody. We call him in New York. He tries to have somebody come over to fix it. They never get there. I have the, I have, I actually had the the um, superintendent of the building walking me through catacombs, catacombs in the basement in the intestines of the building, where he was trying to find me a room where they had a break room where I could watch it. I, I was like afraid to let him go. I said, wait, wait, don't leave me here. I'll never get back. I, I'll never get back. I don't know where I am. I'm underground to 50 feet somewhere i so <laughs> then we get back to the apartment and the cable's still not working the the guys that are supposed to fix it never show up and then the super comes up to the apartment he tries to fix it he can't fix it oh but the engineer came up he can't fix it finally we get an ipad thank goodness for <laughs> there's a thing called ipads we get an ipad and Thank God to my daughter. My wife's talking to my daughter. We get the fight on Showtime on the iPad. I'm able to watch it. I'm able to tweet. But we can't get the UFC fight because it's pay-per-view. It's on It's on ESPN+. And then my, my sister, Mary, she doesn't give up. She gets on another iPad. She keeps going, keeps going. You have to buy it. And finally, just minutes before Nunes walks in the ring, I got it. You can watch it live. You can watch that. So <laughs> I'm watching I'm watching all this stuff. And then you hit me up with all this other stuff we got 
you know, God bless you. We, we got to satisfy the fans. Teddy, we got to come. Now I got videos. My son sending me videos. Rob sending me videos on my phone. You got to remember, up until two years ago, I had a flip phone. So now they're sending me stuff on my phone. I'm trying to watch it. I'm trying to watch it. By the time I get it, I'm at the airport. I'm trying to watch it at the airport. Then I got to get on the plane. I'm trying to watch it on the plane. I get no Wi-Fi. My sister comes up, says, wait, wait, wait. Let me see if I can fit. And, I, and I'm watching all this stuff. So I had no sound. I was lucky I had freaking visual. So from what I saw, and again, I want the people, yeah, I want you to feel bad. I want you to say, oh, wow, Teddy really loves us. Teddy loves us. He went through all that. Yeah, he did. I went through that for you guys, just for you guys. So, and I appreciate you guys because you're there for us. We're there for you. I'm watching it. I thought I saw Bartholomew's head go up and down. I, I I know that I saw that motion. Now, I don't know if it was going up and down for some other reason. Again, I didn't have audio. I assumed he was being asked. Now, if he wasn't being asked, I would say, why didn't you ask him? But from what I could see the visual, and again, I, I couldn't see what the referee's seeing, Ken. The, we can't see what the referee's seeing. He's looking into his eyes. If he's a qualified ref, if he's a qualified ref that knows what to look at when it's a concussed fighter, when it's a hurt fighter, to look into the pupils, to see what he has to see, whether or not the pupils are contracting, whatever, but but just to see if there's anyone there, to put it in very layman terms, very simple, to see if he's dazed, to see what his eyes look like. We don't see the eyes of the fighter. I'm trying to give the referee the benefit of the doubt as much as I can. He can't, we can't see what he sees. If he's a qualified ref doing his job, and he's supposed to be if he's in that very difficult, responsible, serious position of making a decision on a fighter's life, on his career. If he sees something that's wrong in the eyes, then he has to stop it. I don't know. Again, we can't see the eyes. I can only see what I saw. But I would have liked to see the ref spend a little more time. Just a little more time. Like, take a walk towards me. Which yeah, you see referees do. Take, right. take, take a well, walk towards well, me. Take a take two think, steps towards me. I would have liked to see that. What do you think about all that. the variables, though, Teddy? The ref knows who he's in with. He knows he's in with a veteran. He knows this guy's experience. He's never been stopped. It's the first knockdown. But maybe he, he also knows temple. he's 37 years old. But go ahead. Fair. Go ahead. That's fair. No, no, that's fair. But these are all things I would consider. He's also in there. You know, he's in a tough fight for sure. But he hadn't been hurt before. It's the first time he's gone down. You could see the shot hit him on the temple. It's not like he got hit with a crushing shot on the jaw where he's on Queer Street and he falls on his face. I just thought he got up. He's experienced enough that I say, if he gets knocked out with the next punch, no one's going to look at that and be like, ref, you should have stopped that on the last Here's knockdown. Here's my answer. Yes, except. Yes, except. You and me are not seeing his eyes. If he's a qualified yeah, ref... Fair. He's seeing his eyes and he saw something. I have to guess. He saw something that was wrong. He saw something that the guy wasn't all there that told him, no, I got to stop it. Now, would, again, again, just for the visual part, would I have felt a little better if he took a little more time, invested a little more time, told the guy, take two steps forward, uh, talk to the guy, ask him something, you know, whatever. Whatever. 
would I have felt a little better from 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 my viewpoint that wasn't the best viewpoint? Yeah, I would have felt better. To your point, it seemed fast. But again, we don't have all of the information, all of the evidence yeah. that he does. Nah, you're right. And we could talk we could talk about this till we're blue in the face, but you're right. Fair point. Um, Teddy, we covered a lot. It's been two hours. We covered every single fight that happened this weekend, with the exception of the early prelims. And with that, you've had a long weekend in Florida. I want to let you get a little bit of time for yourself. We're gonna wrap this one. You got anything before we say goodbye to the fans? No, I just uh appreciate you guys and um I just I hope you guys just appreciate that we joke, we make light of it, That, but every week it matters to us to try to get the best show to you guys, to try to get an honest show that is going to break down what has happened over that weekend to not only the best of our abilities, but in in a explainable way that the, that you guys will understand it and and hopefully appreciate that whether you agree or don't agree, that we're telling you what we know as the truth. Teddy, Teddy, to that point, it's okay to disagree with people. You can even agree to disagree to have a civil conversation. It's part of what makes the world go around. We have to disagree on some topics. You and I have disagreed on the show. I see one thing, your trained eye sees another. That's life. With that, be on the lookout, guys. We've got some new merch coming. We're still working out some kinks. I know it's taken a while, but you got to remember there's like three of us and we're trying to do the work of 10. So look out for some new merch. And Teddy, maybe next week we can show the um, the gift that Rob and I had made for you because I think the new logo no, no, looks no, no, killer. No. no, what do you think? I forgot about what you, what you did. <laughs> I got it right here. We don't have to wait till next I week. I don't want to wind them up because now I'm going to get hit with like, where can I get one? Look at that thing. Golden Goose jacket made with the eric hayes logo we had a few limited editions of these made up for some uh, very special guests but depending on the demand we're gonna have some great merchandise coming out and uh, first of all say in front of our audience thank you ken thank you rob again i already thank you guys for uh, the jacket for my birthday do. present the only complaint i had is you got me uh, extra large see the truth if what you do don't you like the truth you can't be around teddy atlas because no, what do you even though in one moment people said oh my god they got him a beautiful jacket and the son of a bee is is saying it was too big you gave me a all right, all right i love it i no, 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 i don't know i love it but I we'll get you large. I am transforming my body and right. I am dropping 30 pounds. So when you bought That'll it be your motivation. I was a, I was a fat slob uh, <laughs> and I was extra large. Right now I am I am transitioning. I like that word from fat slob to um, just slob. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and I am dropping down towards the large, not the extra. Right. But you know what? I it's, it fits well enough because even with the extra large, it's not that big. Uh, in it, the winter, you're gonna have beautiful. on a sweater. I'm gonna have, have a, a sweat on. I knew you'd come up with some kind of freaking <laughs> uh, way of getting out hey, of that one. But extra special shout out to Rob beautiful. who, who orchestrated. Thank you to Rob who orchestrated everything behind the scenes. Let Rob's me show it again Rob to the Moore. fans because really it, it's beautiful. Um, Look at that! Look at that logo. That's beautiful, right? 
It's really nice. Thank you to Eric Hayes, the legend, husband of the great Rosie Perez. And again, thanks to Rob for going out of his way to order those. We worked together to get them embroidered, but Rob deserves all the credit for handling Both the logistics. Both of you deserve credit. Thank you, guys. It came from your hearts. That's all that matters to me. Um, you know, it's, it's the thought that matters. I appreciate it. And my son-in-law, who we're blessed. We have him and my daughter, my two grandchildren living with us uh, right now. Uh, he will have another jacket to wear. No, no, I'm only joking. Unless he's actually uh, in better shape than me by far. But unless I go backwards and put weight back on, but I don't want to do that. Well, when we eventually get a live show put together later this year, we'll uh, both wear them in person and we'll probably have enough demand to make up another thousand of them. And we so have some great interviews. I'm going to mention before we go off the air. That's right. So, one of them is waiting for us, which yeah, is why I'm trying to wrap. One of the greatest comebacks um, of, of all time, Schnell. Uh, Matty Schnell. Yeah, Matt Schnell uh, two weeks ago. Uh, unbelievable comeback. Uh, just, just incredible. And then we're going to have in the next week or two, we're going to have, uh, Triple G Golovkin before in training camp for the Canelo fight. And then we're going to have his trainer, uh, Jonathan Banks. So a lot to from the legendary, to. from the legendary boxing gym in yeah. Detroit with that guys. If you're watching the show, please hit subscribe on YouTube. That's a huge metric for us. We really appreciate it. Check out our people at um, Athletic Greens. And one more before we go. Please check out Feel Free, a botanic tonic at botanictonics.com. Use the promo code ALICE. They'll give you 40% off your first purchase. It's a plant-based, kava root-based um, cocktail. It's a little shot, like a five-hour energy. It creates a little feeling of euphoria. I take them before the show. I really like these. I actually take them before long runs as well. Feel free. Check them out, botanictonics.com. Use the promo code ATLAS, 40% off your first purchase. And with that, look out for these interviews in the coming week or two, and we'll be back next Monday with another killer episode where we've got a lot of stuff to discuss. Thank you again for being with us. We appreciate everyone. <laughs>